Welcome to Fruit Snacks, a weekday podcast that covers big ideas about the Christian worldview in a bite-sized format. Hey everyone, we are going to continue our discussion of the unevangelized in different parts of the world today. And yesterday we talked about China, which is a commonly given example of a people group that needs the gospel. Uh, And we looked at the history of the gospel in China and saw that actually the gospel message and the message of Christianity and of Jesus Christ has been in China for a long, long time. And it has been pretty much wholesale rejected, even outlawed and banned at one point. So today I want to turn our attention to a list of several other areas or parts of the world that by today's standards would be considered unevangelized. And I want to look a little bit closer at their history and see if that's really the case. We're going to go a little bit faster than we did with China. There was a lot to cover there yesterday, but I want to start today with Japan because Japan is known to be a very secular country, a country where outside of sort of Shinto or animistic belief systems, ancestor worship, that kind of thing, um, there is some Buddhist influence there, but Buddhism is atheistic as a religion, and so there's not a lot of belief in God, uh, more of a spirit worship type deal going on there. So what about Japan and its history with the gospel? Well, I'm going to look at some other excerpts here, starting with one about a period in time in February of the year 1597. It says this, 26 bloodied men and boys were crucified on a mountain overlooking Nagasaki Bay for the crime of being Christian. For 28 days, they had been marched through towns and villages and countryside, being spat upon and ridiculed and otherwise abused along the way. Up on their crosses, the 26 awaited the coup de grace that would end their Japanese-style crucifixions, twin spear thrusts from below, into their left and right sides and upward through their hearts and out their shoulders. This is how Christians were executed. In this period of time. And there is a quote from the uh, Taiko Hideyoshi, who was one of the leaders, uh, military leaders, and political uh, influencers in Japan around this time period. And he is quoted as saying about Christianity and Christians I do not want this religion, a religion of love and union, which is therefore harmful for this kingdom. So once again, it isn't that the gospel hasn't been in Japan. It has been in Japan and it has been rejected. And so part of the consequence of that is where we find a country like Japan today who has had access to the gospel and has culturally and generationally slowly phased it out and basically rejected it. And so you have whole generations of people who now live with the consequences of their ancestors and their decision to reject the gospel message. What about India, a place like India 
where you have huge influence from Hindu and other religions, but mostly Hinduism, and just all the the spiritualism there. But uh, most would say, oh, they don't know the gospel. According to church tradition, in one of the books outside of the Bible known as the Acts of Thomas, India received the gospel in 52 AD. Uh, Church tradition holds that Thomas, the disciple, was actually martyred in India after he went pretty much straight there from uh, his experiences with Jesus and began to evangelize, and they killed him. So there's very good evidence and reasons for thinking that India has also known the gospel a long time and has had it, again, almost as long as Jerusalem has had the gospel. What about the unevangelized in Muslim countries, in uh, closed border countries where the gospel is not allowed to go, Bibles aren't allowed to go, you're not openly allowed to be a Christian? Do Muslims not know the gospel? Well, they know the gospel because we actually find pieces of the gospel right in the Quran, believe it or not. I'm going to read to you some excerpts from the Quran that demonstrate this. Surah 4 171 says this, O people of the book, meaning the Bible, commit no excesses in your religion, nor say of Allah aught but truth. Christ Jesus, the son of Mary, was no more than a messenger of Allah, and his word which he bestowed on Mary and a spirit proceeding from him. So believe in Allah and his messengers. Say not Trinity, desist. It will be better for you. For Allah is one Allah. Glory be to him, for exalted is he above having a son. So we see in here that the Muslims understand that Christians believe in the Trinity, that they believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he's not just a man because they explicitly say that we should reject such doctrines. Well, they understand that that's what we believe when they say that. What about in Surah 930? The Jews called Uzir the son of Allah, and that Christians call Christ the son of Allah. That is a saying from their mouths. In this they but imitate what the unbelievers of old used to say, Allah's curse be on them, how they are deluded away from the truth. So according to Muslims, calling Jesus the son of God is something that would make us accursed. We are blaspheming when we say that. But they understand that that's what we believe because they reject it as blasphemy. Surah 19, verses 34 and 35 say this, Such was Jesus, the son of Mary. It is a statement of truth about which they vainly dispute. It is not befitting to the majesty of Allah that he should beget a son. Now, I will say this. There's lots of reasons to think that Muhammad rejected the doctrine of the Trinity because he misunderstood it, that part of what you see here and, and you get from other pieces uh, of the, the Quran and other uh, other texts as well is that the Muslim conception of the Trinity at first was something Christians would likewise find just disgusting, and that is that that God had intercourse with Mary in some way, shape, or form and produced the offspring Jesus. Well, that's not what Christians believe. But if that is what Muslims believed that Christians believed, you can see why they would reject it and why they would reject Christians as well. 
But the point is, is that they did understand that Christians believe that Jesus was more than a man and that he should be worshiped as God and as the son of God. And they rejected it. Now to take it a step further, there was a Muslim sheikh by the name of Jamil El Biza, who was quoted as saying not that long ago, several years ago, I'd rather be resurrected on the day of judgment with the fact that I made a few hundred million unhappy with me because I refused to say Merry Christmas rather than being brought forward before Allah and having to explain to him why I congratulated a Christian who worships Jesus as Lord. So he's being interviewed about why he didn't say Merry Christmas or anything like that. He understood that the connection between Christmas and Jesus is a direct line, that For Christians, it's a celebration of not just Jesus' birth, but who Jesus was and what he represented. And that was that he came to earth as God to save us. And he says, oh, I'd I'd rather make you angry that I don't wish you Merry Christmas than have to stand before my God and explain why I congratulated you about yours. And so again, Muslims understand what the gospel message is. They reject it. What about the unevangelized in places like, well, I don't know, parts unknown, Pacific islands that haven't been discovered yet? This might be the only case where there's actually something of a discussion to have here. But the reality is that there are, by most accounts, less than a hundred uncontacted small tribes around the entire world. Less than a hundred. We're not talking about millions and millions of people here. We might be talking about thousands, maybe hundreds. And one journalist who documents these people groups, he actually is a photographer and he's quoted as saying this, there are less than 100 uncontacted small tribes around the world and they need to be protected by international law. Protected from what? Well, he goes on to say, hundreds of Korowai have already moved from the jungles to newly constructed missionary settlements, and the missionary's aim is to convert them to Christianity. So he thinks that these people groups need to be protected by international law from Christianity, from being converted to Christianity, from receiving the gospel message, that that should be prevented. That's a bad thing. So even when there are legitimate uh, examples, uh, maybe, of people who have not heard the gospel at all, it's never been a part of their culture, it's never been a part of uh, their people group or their tribe, there are other people actively trying to prevent that from happening. And so tomorrow, I want to sort of wrap up this question and discuss what it really means, uh, uh, the fate of the unevangelized here, in light of some more scripture and um, just what we have sort of uncovered as we've looked at the history of most of these places. 